0: This was just full-on, hair on fire, eyes crossed, completely off-the-rails crazy.
1: Welcome back to College Basketball Madness, the USA Today Sports College Hoops podcast, and it is final four week, which is Yay! pretty crazy. Thank you, Nancy. Um, <laughs> Crazy, 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 we are finally here. I'm Nicole Auerbach. I'm national college basketball reporter, joined by the cheering Nancy Armour, our columnist, uh, who is very, very, very excited for Final Four week. But, Nancy, before we get to previewing the games, which there's lots to talk about with both games, um, players, coaches, storylines, NCAA issues, scandals... Um, Let's start by, this has been a pretty crazy tournament. I mean, oh we my just,
0: gosh. we yes. just saw
1: three number one seats lose in the same <laughs> round. That's never yes. happened before, which is, like, incredible. So what are you going to remember about this tournament? I mean, like, when we, when we come out of the haze of, of March and into April and you, you know, rejoin society and see your friends, <laughs> what will you talk to them about? What will you tell them?
0: I, I think just the, the craziness of it. I mean, it... Yeah, there are always upsets and there's always like, you know, one game that's just wacky in the tournament. But this was just full-on hair on fire, eyes crossed, completely off the rails crazy. Like I I mean, it just it, every time you thought that it it couldn't get any any wilder that there couldn't be a bigger upset or a a more incredible comeback, something else happened. And it it was just I mean that's the that's the whole reason I love the tournament is just the the unexpectedness of it and this year has just been so much fun to watch because you just never knew what you were going to get.
1: Now you were at the Syracuse Virginia
0: game. Yes. Which, I'm still not quite sure what I saw there. Yeah, <laughs> me either,
1: me either. I've watched I've watched um some clips of that you know, I, I, I it reminds me so much of the Northern Iowa comeback, uh, or sorry, meltdown, um, and the Texas a comeback. Where like, I really don't think I will ever quite understand exactly what happened there.
0: No, and I, I've been having this debate the last couple of days. Which was bigger? Was the a right, and right, comeback bigger or Syracuse? And part of it is because I saw the Syracuse one live, but I think that one is is more unbelievable because of they were playing a number 1 seed it's for a trip to the final 4 and also like syracuse had not been able to do a thing all game. Like Virginia was kind of they didn't play great, but they were certainly far and away better than Syracuse was. And so, you know, it's 10 minutes left, they're up by 15. Okay, fine. They're going to the final four. Like there was no thought in my mind. And you know, the joke now is always well, hey, Texas A&M did it. No, that was not like there was no, oh, they could Texas A&M this one. It it was not even possible with the way that they played. And then all of a sudden it was like you flipped a switch or put the press on and the game completely changed. And all of a sudden it, it looked like Virginia was wearing concrete shoes and had forgotten how to shoot basketballs because they could not make a shot. They couldn't like, they couldn't hold onto the ball. Um, they just, and and they looked stunned. So, so yeah, that for me, I think that's a bigger comeback than Texas A&M. But again, I saw that one live and I just saw the Texas A&M Northern Iowa on TV.
1: So like what, what shocked me and I was watching it, uh, in, the, in the press room at the Wells Fargo Center because we're waiting for North Carolina and Notre Dame to start. And, you know, you're like, all right, you literally blink. Like, you go grab a coffee, yeah. and all of a sudden the lead is evaporated. And what was so surprising is as someone who has watched Virginia with all of these players, with the Malcolm Brogdons, mm-hmm. with the Linda all these guys for the last few years, is two things. First of all, they play slow. So yes. the the thing the knock has always been it's hard it would be hard for them to um to catch up, you know, in a in a hurry in yes. a game but also it's hard for another team to catch up in a hurry. So that was shocking. That Syracuse was doing it so quickly, obviously yeah. the full court press and stuff and they kind of looked like they'd never seen that before. But it was how quick a team did that on a team like Virginia and yep. that this was like a senior laden veteran group that completely melted down. Like I and was just it's, shocked.
0: And you could see it in their faces. I mean, meltdown is exactly what they did. They had no idea what to do. And it is funny. Yeah. Syracuse doesn't press that much. It It's, you know, it's two, three zone normally for them. That's what you get. But It shouldn't have been a surprise because that's exactly what they did to Gonzaga the night before or two nights – no, yeah, the night before. Two nights before. before. (laughs) They all blend. Um, But that's exactly how they came back against Gonzaga. So they should have had an idea that it – maybe not for sure that it was coming but that it was something that Beheim might pull out of his bag of tricks.
1: Or in general – this is what a full court press looks like. Well, that's how yes. to break it. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> um, and like they yeah.
1: literally look like they'd never seen one before.
0: No, exactly. Like, what is this new concept? How, how do we, how, what do we do with this? What do, yeah, I, it's like I said, I'm still stunned by it. I cannot wrap my brain around the fact that it even happened.
1: Yes. Uh, In comparison, my game was like a walk in the park. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and it was, it was like relatively interesting um, for a stretch. Uh, Like as ridiculous as this is going to sound, um, it was ultimately a 14 point margin of victory. And that's the closest anyone has come to UNC this tournament. Um, And it, Notre Dame did, it was a game of runs early in the second half. and Notre Dame did take a one point lead at one time. And I had seen them all tournaments so far, and they have had these crazy, unbelievable finishes. So I didn't quite write them off, especially what we had seen earlier, especially what um, you guys went through. But it was nowhere near as uh, dramatic (laughs) a finish in (laughs) the second half. And North Carolina became the only number one seed to get through to the final four, which is pretty incredible and also not incredible after this kind of regular season we had and how... Up in the air, you know, kind of the top dog spots were all along, but I think a lot of people were shocked about Kansas. So let's start with that game. Well, we'll start with the Villanova Oklahoma game and how they got there. So obviously, Villanova shocked Kansas, thoroughly outplayed yep. them. Um, yeah, I not mean, it, it wasn't even close. No, and I think you know I'm I'm I know all these teams are obviously playing fantastic right now to get to a Final Four, but I I can't decide between you know, Villanova or UNC, which team I think is actually hotter coming in. Um, but so then Oklahoma goes and beats Oregon. Um, and in that, so that sets up a matchup of two number two seeds who both could have had a case for number one seeds. Yep. Um, had a little
0: number one during the season at one point.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and you've got buddy healed. I'm so excited. I'm so glad we get him
0: at the final four. I, I cannot wait to see him play in person.
1: Oh, you've never seen him play in person? No!
0: I'm so, so, so very excited about this.
1: As our colleague George Schroeder would say, um, so George lives in Norman, so he's gotten to see Buddy in person a lot this year, but he also covered him at the tournament last year, and he will tell you, is a completely different player. So even if you had seen Buddy in person before, like last NCAA tournament, it is a completely different experience. It's college basketball's Steph Curry experience. Which, I'm, yeah, it's, I
0: just think it's going to be fantastic
1: yes so um, <laughs> I was at Villanova yesterday we're recording this on Tuesday morning uh, Villanova got back on Sunday and then actually we saw Chris Jenkins went to go see uh, North Carolina win and so his brother Nate Britt they grew up um, in the same household uh, they got Which to is a great story. together yes um, you can find that story it's on our website usatoday.com and so they're both in the final four. They're both one win away from facing each other, which is pretty incredible. And what's, what's um what, what I like about Villanova is so I, so we were there yesterday and they kind of had a little de facto media day. And um all those players are also likable. They're also comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, Jay Wright is, you know, one of my favorite coaches to deal with. He's one of the nicest guys. And I think he's just such a great coach. And, I love the relationship between him and Ryan Archidiacono. I literally will not be able to get enough of it because I asked them about it uh, at the first round, and that was when, like, Jay was, like, joking about how it was – Like he doesn't even speak to Arch because they're the same person and like he doesn't even have to say anything because he'll just already think like exactly like Jay does and they're from the same area. So therefore, like they're the same person. And it's just like this very adorable relationship. Um, And I'm actually, once we finish this podcast, writing about where Arch Diakono stacks up in. Villanova basketball history. What is his legacy? Um, and Jay believes that he is right up there with the greats, especially from this era. Obviously, from Jay Wright's era, and um, for a lot of those reasons, and for the reasons that he's the hustle guy, he's the heart of the team, he's the guy who leaps over. Uh, well, actually, as Josh Hart joked to me, he tries to leap over things like the media <laughs> table, but he's he's really not that athletic, so he he runs into the table a little bit and then and then kind of <laughs> rolls over it. Um, but so there's just it's a really fun group of guys. And they've worked really hard. And they've had to answer questions for a year now about those early exits the last two years. I think losing the Big East final was a blessing in disguise. I think it reminded them what losing feels like. And they have just been freely playing kind of on fire this whole time. But Nancy, what's interesting is this Villanova team lost by 23 points to this Oklahoma team back in December.
0: Yes. But I, and I think, you know, you kind of said it, it, this is not the same team that, that it was even three weeks ago. Um, And I have not seen Villanova play in person yet, but I feel like when I have watched them or when I have watched their games, they seem like they're getting better with every game. And it's not that they weren't confident coming into the tournament, but it's like, they've got almost a different kind of swagger now. Um, And, and, I think that's what you need at this time of year. Um, they've got so many, they can hurt you in so many different ways and it's kind of a typical Villanova team and yet it's not. And I, I, that sounds strange. I know, but uh, I don't know there just something feels different about this group as opposed to even you know some of the other really really good teams that Jay has had um this just I don't know there's something about the way that they're playing now the confidence that they have that is it's impressive and you know it it, they're going to be tough to beat I think
1: so so one thing that I thought was really interesting yesterday um Jay was asked what he learned you know obviously players talk about, you know, players going through NCAA experience and then the next year their experience, they know what to expect. So he was asked about what he learned as a coach having been to a Final Four. And he had a really interesting answer, which is going to be something I think to pay attention to because there's a lot of talk about how, you know, Long Kruger's back for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jay was talking about what he learned was to, that there's a lot of easy ways to kind of not screw up But kind of um, you have this kind of perfect equilibrium. You're coming with momentum. Everyone's really focused. And there are ways to mess with that. So he learned little things like he's taking the team to Houston later than they went, you know, when he went the first time. Because the first time he was like, oh, they should enjoy this experience. They should spend all this time with their family. So this time they're practicing in Villanova um, as late as possible before they fly out. Uh, he said that last time they also this that was when the final four was in Detroit and he yes. wanted to go take the team practice at Detroit Mercy because he knew the coach and, mm-hmm. um you know, and then he didn't realize it was a 45 minute drive away and they went after their shoot around and no one had any energy and he had to cut the practice short. And so he's rearranging the way that he's doing this. He's going to make them practice hard first and then come and do their open practice shoot around thing and make sure that they get the focus, the basketball stuff in. So that they don't come out flat. And I thought that was really interesting because oftentimes we just only talk about what you learn from experience as players. But it sounds like he's really thinking through how they're going to handle every hour of every day leading up into this game.
0: Which and I think that's interesting because um, and the all four coaches did a conference call yesterday and somebody was asking Lon Kruger about that. There's so much that goes on, and it's not just the the you know the fact that you're playing in a dome, the fact that you've got an open practice in front of ten thousand people or whatever it's going to be. You also have media commitments that these guys it doesn't come close to anything that they've had to deal with during the season. And that's, you know, it it's not just meeting with us. It's meeting with the TV folks. It's the stuff that you've got to do with, you know people back home. I, I mean, it's it is. A circus for lack of a better description. And I think the the first time that you go as a coach in particular, I don't think you can, you can truly appreciate how different it is. I mean, it's not like a regular game. It's not even like a a regular tournament or even a conference tournament. It's, there's so much more involved and you really do need to manage it or you are just going to get completely run over. And you do hear that, you know, like what Jay said about not having energy. You hear that from a lot of people, and that's the thing that surprises them the most is that they didn't realize what a grind those, you know, four days are going to be, and it, that's what it is going to be is a grind. Yes,
1: and you know, I mean, it happens each round. You get told how great you are for that yes. week in between games. Um, so so that's definitely something to watch. I also think it's going to be really interesting to see how Villanova plays Buddy Heald the second time. I think Heald is someone who has been terrific year long, but, I mean, he is coming off some incredible NCAA tournament performances as well. Yeah. Um, I joked with the staff. I was like, hey, a few weeks ago I wrote about – I asked all the big 12 coaches, how do you slow down Buddy Heald? I'll send you guys the link, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baker Dunley was like, oh, yes, I'm I'm going to find that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, how they, they when they lost to Oklahoma before. First off, it's probably very helpful for Villanova that that happened because they saw Buddy up close. They're not going to be right. like hearing about this like mythological shooter all week. And they saw also in that game, he wasn't the only guy that beat them. If I have it correct, it was Isaiah Cousins also had a big game. So they know that it's not just buddy. Um, so I, I sort of think that there's a lot of psychological advantages entering this game for Villanova. I also think they're playing with house money because I think they have been since they got through the first weekend. Um, yeah. So you know they're my team. That's why I'm so focused on them, and then, you know, and why I was at their availability because they're the, they're the team I'm assigned to this week. But you know, Oklahoma is also terrific, and I think I think that's going to be a really high level game. You have two great coaches, very underrated coaches, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, Jay, I gets, agree with Jay that. gets more attention for his suits than for his, you know, actual <laughs> basketball.
0: He does have good suits. I mean, you he have does. to give him that. Very sharp dresser. <laughs> um,
1: And, but Long Kruger also is, is such a great X's and O's coach.
0: The, and the thing I like about that team and what he's been able to do with them is, I mean, Buddy Heald is spectacular. We're running out of adjectives for him because he's just so amazing. But it's really hard when you've got four other guys that, you know, they know that he's great, but they're going to be games that he's not going to be able to do what he, you know, he's not going to be able to get 37 points because people are keying on him differently or they're, you know, or he's just having a bad game. And Kruger and the rest, and Oklahoma, they've been able to. To give Buddy the support when he's having a not great day but then they also get out of his way when he is and that's a really hard thing to do to be able to do both because you know like when Kentucky does it with five guys you've got five guys so they all know that they need to take a back seat to each other with Oklahoma it's basically four on one it's like okay there's the buddy show and then there's everybody else but sometimes it's going to be everybody else's show and buddy will be the backup and that's it that is not an easy thing to juggle and I think they've done that very very well
1: well the exhibit a of how that doesn't work is LSU Exactly. Um, they needed to be yes. like that. They needed to be flexible and the players need to understand that there are certain games that needed to be the Ben Simmons show. Yes. Um, and they, they had a lot of trouble with that. So I agree. I mean, but that is also a, a huge testament to Long Kruger and the staff for managing. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't even say it's egos because that team has no egos. No, um, they don't. They, I went to when they were the day before they played Kansas the second time. I was in Norman, and I'm at their practice, and it, and all of their practices are open to the public. I mean, really? there were there Wait, were open to the public. Yeah, anyone can come by any practice, and wow. so. I'm, you know, I'm catching the tail end because I had caught a flight and, you know, when I'm showing up and they had basically just finished and there were a bunch of kids all around. There was a sorority there. It was like (laughs) it was incredible. And all these kids are just waiting around for Buddy and he's just signing basketballs. And some of the the guys start getting in a shooting contest with Jay Williams because game day was there. And it was the most incredible, loose Unbelievable experience because so many like it's pulling teeth to get them to you know even like to as a media member to get to go to practice for some right. of these teams. Yeah, and here, every practice is open. You can just Man, wander crazy. around, go for a jog in Norman, and just pop in to the uh, to the arena and see them practice. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're so there are no egos. They are just a wonderful team to be around. I, I mean, I, I literally like this Final Four is so interesting and so full of. Um, just so different, you know, different styles, different types Mm -hmm. of coaching. Um, but a lot of really, really likable players. I mean, it is, we're going to have, it's going to be great for us. I mean, you were talking about all those media obligations. Well, they get to talk to us. And so we get to talk to them. (laughs) Um, but so that game, we'll switch gears here, but that game will be, the storylines will be basketball related. Now, already the other game they're not um so you were on the you were on this
0: teleconference with all the coaches how yes. often
1: did ncaa issues and scandals come up for syracuse and north carolina
0: well each coach got uh i think it was at least two questions and i think Roy got a couple more than that maybe just because their issues are, are still ongoing as opposed to syracuse's um but Beheim got asked about it uh, at least three times in every news conference he had in Chicago at the regional. Um, Whether it was... You know, a version of you guys weren't supposed to be here. Did you, you know, how did everything you went through this season affect you? What do you think your kids learned from it? And, you know, to the players, what was it like not having him? So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about NCAA violations and suspensions and who did what and Who knew all that. what, when, yeah. yeah exactly, yes. yes. Uh, so.
1: Yeah, you know, I was around North Carolina um, and and that stuff did come up as well. And what's interesting is certainly that it's uncertain and that they're still waiting. And Bubba Cunningham, their athletic director, um, told me and another reporter on the court after they won that, you know, they're kind of just in a waiting game Um, and they could expect, you know, resolution any time. Mark Emmert told our colleague Josh Peter that the end was near, but then didn't give a timetable. Um, there's certainly a lot of Twitter jokes about how it's going to come down the day after the title game. right? exactly. Um, but you know, it's unclear how much the basketball program will be hit. Um, it's, 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 you know, Roy was not mentioned nearly as many times in the notice of allegations as, uh, Jim Beheim. So no. it's sort of like, you know, apples to oranges in a sense. Um, you know, it's also an interesting case study because of the way they characterize all the academic, um, misdeeds as, extra benefits not academic fraud it's it's kind of shifted the way it's a north carolina's case is a very complicated case and um uh, as you get when you tweet anything about north carolina there are a lot of people who are very angry because and rightfully so because if the idea of this whole world of college athletics is that they are student athletes people get very upset about things that affect the student part and 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 if people are taking paper classes or you know getting steered into easy majors and things like that um, you know, that, that, that really rubs people the wrong way. Cause that's the entire essence of what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Yes. And it's, I have gotten it, many angry emails about this over the last year or so. And it's funny because every couple months I will get, and it's not always the same person, but I'll get an email from somebody saying, what's going on with North Carolina? Why aren't you people writing about this? And it's, it's it, did somewhat surprise me at first that people were this passionate about it. But to your point, I think it's because it is the this, this student aspect of it. And also, too, I think there are some people who believe, rightly or wrongly, that North Carolina has, you know, gotten a little bit of a pass maybe, or that, they, that maybe the NCAA isn't going to come down as hard as they would on another school. You know, there are some people who have looked at the fact that um, – more violations were found right at, like in August, which then pushed the clock back, which meant that there could be no punishment during the basketball season. Um, you know, there's, so there were some people who questioned that time frame. But yeah, it's, it is an issue that it stirs a lot of controversy and it, it stirs a lot of emotions.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, the idea of will the NCAA come down really, really hard on a blue blood program. Is something people want to see because we have seen actually in the last you know few months the NCAA came down really hard on SMU. Yep. Um, Syracuse was before that, right? Yep. I'm getting my time uh, yes,
0: yes. Um,
1: and then everyone's anticipating Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, there's going to be something there, and and the fact that to me that the school imposed, I mean, Syracuse self-imposed a ban as well, um, which actually saved them so that they could have this final four run right. this year. Right. But, la- but with Louisville, they had a very good team. And the fact that they immediately self-imposed a ban, um, once they found that some of the, vi- that there was at least a violation shows that I think that's just the tip of the iceberg there. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's certainly, then CAA is, is, is enforcing with a heavy hand. So it's just unclear, you know, everyone just kind of wants to see what, they'll do with North Carolina and how they'll use, I I can't remember because it's been now four years. It probably falls under right. the
0: old penalty structure. I believe it will because that's what, um, that's what Syracuse is. Right, exactly. Um, so yes, I think it will, unless some of the violations that they've, you know, that they announced in, in August or that they uncovered in August, unless those would fall under, you know, those would be considered new ones. And I'm they haven't really said how they're going to adjudicate it or judge it that, right. you know, uh, will they all be judged as old will they all be judged as new will it be a combination so yeah it's it's that part is unclear as well
1: yeah so it should be uh that so that, these are the these are the unfortunately the dominating storylines um yes. and and like you said about all the questions about Syracuse uh the North Carolina players have been getting questions uh, and this was actually really their first year that they didn't have that all the time i remember Marcus Page going to ACC uh, media day junior year and getting a lot of questions about it and um you know this year he's talked about how it's been mostly basketball for the first time and I remember before the season they sort of felt like a cloud had lifted um I think that was terminology that Roy Williams had used in a conversation with me about the NCAA stuff because they had the notice of allegations and mm-hmm. he was hardly mentioned in it it was focused a lot on women's basketball and football and different things um but I think that you know it, it, it's it's unfortunate for the players because these players, all this stuff predates them. And they sort of – all they can say is, you know, you can sense them – they're not frustrated answering questions about it over and over. But, you know, Marcus Page is going through, like, you know, it's just really hard to answer all these questions when I see our academic standards and our trainer – or our um, – tutors and and all these things and he's a double major in journalism and history and he's one of right. the sharpest guys in college sports. So so you have these, you know, they're just, you know, they talk about it and then it's not the happiest of subjects, but it is why Roy Williams said that he has never wanted a final four for anyone as much as he wanted for this senior class, Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson and the juniors. Um, because of all the questions and the cloud that's hung over the program. And it certainly affected recruiting. I mean, the fact that Duke has gotten some of these one and done talents is um, not. It's not a coincidence that's coincided with North Carolina having this cloud over its program. So there's so much going on that that's tied to this. Um, But they also have a terrific team and they were my preseason pick to win it all. They were my selection Sunday pick to win it all. Um, nothing that they have done during the tournament has made me doubt that at all either because Paige is now shooting well. Bryce mm-hmm. Johnson is still doing double-double things. Kennedy Meeks also, you know, really contributed a lot against Notre Dame. So I really like them in this game. But as you saw firsthand, uh, it's not the wisest of moves
0: to doubt Syracuse
1: in any game, uh, no. I guess.
0: and I you know, I normally would agree with you that I would – obviously pick North Carolina, but I, I, I can't do it at this point. Not after seeing Syracuse, what they did against Gonzaga and then against Virginia. It's, and it's, it, you've seen it before. There are some teams that they just get on a hot streak and it's just almost like it's meant to be. And Syracuse has that feel to it. I mean, they had no business beating Gonzaga. They had absolutely no business beating Virginia and yet here they are in the final four and they kind of have the attitude. It, it's funny. Cause, um, uh, Trevor Cooney has been saying um, after each game, he's like, you know, well, we've, it's been an interesting year. Y- you think, um, you know, they started the ACC season 0-4. They finished it losing five of the last six, including, you know, a first round or first game loss in the ACC tournament. Bayheim was suspended for nine games. And, these guys it just kind of is like okay well fine we got to deal with it and we'll just move on. I mean they're they're not flustered by anything. And well, so they lost
1: to St. John's, which is maybe the most incredible yes. result of the season.
0: Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's and so they just you know the idea of playing North Carolina it's kind of like okay, that's that's the next thing on the list. Um so yeah, I it, it's they shouldn't win, but I'm not going to say they won't just because I, I think this might be one of these teams that they are just like, I don't want to say team of destiny, but they're just on one of those roles.
1: The NCAA would love to hear you say, Oh, this I'm is a sure. Team of
0: destiny. <laughs> 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 but you know what? Teams have
1: done this sort of thing after they've had problems the year before. UConn, uh, UConn um, had its own academic issues, APR score was too low postseason ban and a year later wins it all so you know yep. stranger things have happened um now nancy before we go because we wanted to keep this as a relatively short podcast because i'm sure we'll have lots to talk about from the site now who do you got winning at all is it syracuse do you really think that they are a team of destiny
0: i think that but i'm not gonna i think that i actually think that they beat north carolina and get to the title game but i think My pick now, well, my pick beforehand was Michigan State, and we all know how well that went for everybody. Um, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I just, Mm -hmm. I think, I I just, I really like Buddy Heald. I like the way that whole team plays. Um, Lon Kruger has been here before. Uh, I I just, yeah, that's, I'm picking them.
1: Okay, I'm sticking with North Carolina for okay. all the reasons I picked them before. Um, they're actually playing like the team I thought they'd be all season. So that's why I'm sticking with them. Um, I really have no feel for the other game, though. I could see that going <laughs> either direction. Although Villanova wins, and if it's a Villanova-North Carolina final, I do know one family and one uh, Nate, Nate Britt's family will be very happy and also very, very, very conflicted.
0: Um, Yes. With with Chris
1: and Nate in that game.
0: So have their folks decided what if the kid if if those teams meet what they would do, like. I don't know, but they have Jersey wise or which um, section
1: even do they sit in? I was just thinking that they have a large enough little family contingent that they could split. Okay, (laughs) Um, but, you know, I'm going to have to ask them about the about the shirt thing. I think they're, they're probably they've been trying not to look too far ahead all along. Um, but you know, I think, uh, I think that's a tough one. I mean, I've, re- I've talked to so many parents about, you know, when they have kids play against each other or coaches coach against each other, and it is not the easiest thing. So, no, no. um, as great a story as that would be, and I think it would be really fun for the kids and it's something that they could always talk about. I think that would be a very nerve wracking two and a half hours for the parents. So, yes. um, yeah, cause
0: you don't want to root against one of your kids.
1: Exactly. You want them both to tie and we'll all win the right. championships. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Nancy, if we could tie and win a podcast award, I would share it with you. Just I, so you and
0: know. I would do the same.
1: Um, oh, and real quick, let's give a, a, a shout out to our sister podcast, Going for Gold, because we have a conversation between the two of us. Like, you can really, if you like me and Nancy talking, <laughs> you can listen to us talk about my day having a swimming lesson with uh,
0: Ryan Lochte. So, Which, yeah, and just... Make sure you listen to it, but even more so, go and watch the video because it is hilarious. Sorry, yes. sorry Nicole, but it is. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, that's why I did it. That's why I did it. But also, go check out our sister podcast. Um, again, it's going for gold. You'll find it with the USA Today Sports Podcasts. Um, but on that note, um, we will wrap up our Final Four preview. Uh, we should, I would assume, we'll have a championship game preview as well coming for you um, this weekend. And as always, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud for college basketball madness is the keyword. Thanks so much for listening. And we will be talking to you next from Houston.